Marvin, um, you know, the headlines were that Carnival's been cancelled, the funding's been withdrawn, uh, that's it. Obviously, we know there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, what are your feelings about what's been said in the press this week? Well, I'm always wary of simplistic headlines. I've been on the receiving end of them myself, and we know that um, uh, people can look for rows um, uh, in, in, in the media. So um, we do need to be wary, but I just think there's a general consensus uh, that, you know, that it is absolutely tragic uh, loss uh, for Bristol. And I say loss, hopefully the words are true and there are plans going to be put in place to make sure Carnival yeah. is back, hopefully by 2017. But for many of us, people of, you know, my, my generation, uh, Carnival was a rites of passage for young people. You know, we'd start the day jumping on and off the back of the floats. This is before health and safety really uh, began to kick in. And we'd end the day walking home, sweating, thirsty, hungry with the you know, heavy bass lines playing in the background and then watch the evening news to see if any of us had managed to get in front of a TV camera. Yeah, absolutely. So and absolutely still dancing with the birds tweeting and, yeah. you know, as, as dawn broke. Well, I wasn't broke, allowed to stay know. out that late. Yeah. But it, it was, it's absolutely, uh, it's, a, it's a core part of Bristol's heritage. And I, w- and I would say perhaps more than any other festival in Bristol, does the work of bringing people together across the divides that separate people more than the Harborside Festival, more than Keep Sunday Specials and all that stuff. You get people from right across uh, the city coming into the centre. And I don't think, you know, the, the, I mean, that has incredible social value, but we actually pay people to do that work as well. So you could say it also has a financial value. Yeah, well, you're touching on a lot of subjects here. Um, one thing before we go any further, I just want to make it very clear that the funding hasn't actually been withdrawn from the carnival. It's been held back. It's been it's, it's in reserve because of what's happened now. Carnival has become a whole nother thing. It has grown from what used to be a small street um, carnival um, over a few streets to something where you get over a hundred thousand people attending um, not at any one time but it's you know you touched on health and safety um, we heard George Ferguson mention about some of the crime that's happened but none of these things are to blame for why carnival isn't happening this year and I noticed on the St Paul's carnival website they are actually advertising the post for a coordinator so I think if we could just get somebody in to fill that post then maybe we can see carnival get back on its feet we need an absolute yeah we need a cast iron commitment to just reassure uh the community in particular the city at large that this is going to happen and and i think it needs to happen in 2017 before 2018 oh, 100%. Anniversary. yeah no it'd be so, too easy to let sit and back it's about and it's not just about finance it's about capacity building it's about support it's about people it's about and i think it's also about uh, the city taking it seriously i i i mean I want to be. I mean, I think the city takes it seriously, but there, I've always I've always been slightly frustrated with this idea that this is a a community thing over there, and it and it is, but it's so much more than that. If you've got a hundred thousand people coming to to Bristol, uh, or, or mobilised, I should say, yeah, hundred thousand people mobilised in the city, spending money, and also spending money on small. Um, independent temporary traders right at the grassroots of the economy that is a good thing and I'd always thought actually that one of the things we could have done was to say let's make carnival a weekend experience let's get people coming on a Friday night staying at the Holiday Inn eating out on a, in a restaurant go to carnival on a Saturday spend a night in a hotel get your breakfast get your lunch and then take off back to your own city for all those thousands of people that come from outside of Bristol I think you know one of the things is absolutely recognize the 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 absolute necessity of it being community-led that that has to be a core principle for the integrity of carnival but the city really needs to say how are we going to make sure that the carnival happens year on year 
Well, this is a very good point. Yet again, um, you know, we need to make sure that carnival's happening, but do we want the council to be involved? As you said, you want it to be a community-led event. So how much can we actually accept help from the council? Um, now, you mentioned... We're going to have to take a break, actually. Sorry, I'm holding my breath because... Um, I was going to ask another question, but we are going to have to take a break, aren't we? Sorry, guys. Marvin, just bear with us. You're listening to The Word on Ujima. We'll be back shortly. Superb sounds of Dennis Brown. Ain't that loving you? And you're listening to The Word on Ujima, 98FM, Bristol's number one urban station. Um, we're really pleased to welcome Marvin Reese, the Labour candidate for the Bristol mayor election. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me. We are discussing uh, St Paul's Carnival, an intricate part, and, and no, a very important part of our culture. And, um, you know, people are talking about the fact that we're going to lose it. Now, I think we need to talk about it, is where we go from here um i would really be interested to hear from the listeners about what they think or what they want from st paul's carnival do we want to try and maybe make it smaller take away the drum and bass sound systems um so you're not attracting so many people who are coming to rave all night do we then make it more about afro-caribbean culture do we do we put a super fence around St Paul's like they did for Glastonbury? Make it a ticketed event. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or do we move it to Eastville Park? Um, you know, or do we close down the whole city centre and do the most biggest, bestest procession ever and shout with bells on yeah. about St Paul's and our culture? Like I say, you know, we've all we'll all have those stories of, of you know of our adventures we had running around the streets, getting hot, going on the bouncy cushions and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and then trying to get a piece of watermelon if you could get a few pennies together. Yeah, true that, yeah. Back in the day we didn't have a few pennies, right? <laughs> we didn't have any money to buy yeah. snacks, so you know, yeah. it's the trod home to get something to, to eat. Then, then trodden back, back, yeah, yeah. Or you just last it out. Yeah. Can know? I just pick up on something <laughs> that you said earlier about how um it brings money into St Paul's because I think that is a really, really crucial point about um you know, it's it, we're all talking about the funding for carnival but what about the funding it brings in mm. what about you mentioned earlier about all the local traders um small you know small tra- and what out. about the star and garter smack bang in the middle of carnival how the hell are they managing this year now it's not happened surely that you know they rely on carnival to keep them going throughout the rest of the year i, I i'm sure that den cutty would have uh, a few things to say about that mm. um, be really good to, to kind of look at the full economic impact i yeah. mean i remember my cousin had a house on Brook Road, you know? Yeah. yeah. You pay a few pennies, you get to use the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was fantastic for bringing out the entrepreneurialism. Yeah, and that yeah. was fair, you know? Yeah. Need to use bringing out the entrepreneurialism, people buying a few cans, having them for sale yes, in their front right. garden. And there was something fantastically organic and authentic about mm. that, 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 that people were doing it. I understand there were licensing issues and so forth, but there was something v- that, was, that, was, that was good about that. And I, I think one of the challenges we face um, in Bristol at the moment, actually, is this kind of sense that the city's being sanitised you know, and you've got to have some grit in your place. And a sudden, so I, I would, you know, whether we're talking about lots of talk about gentrification at the moment, you know, mm-hmm. in, in certain parts. And it feels like certain um, aspects of the things that make people Bristol are being swept away. And, and they're not all from the same causes, you know, whether we're talking about uh, gentrification in housing or, or whatever, mm. that's market forces and so forth. But I, I fear that the 
that this sense of loss around a carnival is compounded because we as a community are kind of losing it's been our pushed out, physical though, isn't it? The and city, our cultural well, foothold The city centre is growing, That's you know, right. and that's the reality of it. And St Paul's is right in the middle of the city yeah. centre. Um, you know, I remember 20 years ago talking about where we would be in 20 years' time and how much these houses would be worth along Ashley Road and, you know, and how, how yeah, the community were going to be pushed away. And it is still happening slowly. But what I want to try and get from today is to work out where we go forward. Everybody has something to say about, um, you know, everyone's a good, great armchair critic, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And it's just trying to, we don't need that. And we don't need these absolutely ridiculous headlines. Um, You know, I'm appalled with our local press, actually, with how they've dealt with it. Um, You know, it's just like they're trying to light, like like I said earlier, light a firework and then watch it all go Smash and grab journalism. You know, it's so lazy. It really is so lazy. I mean, if you actually read through the rest of the article, then they will actually say some of the the realities of what's going on um you know and we also want to recognize the people who have been doing carnival all these years yeah, you know there's that, a yeah. really core uh, committee of people who are you know a fantastic group of people who've managed to put it on for years and we we want to thank them for all the hard work and nobody's knocking that but what we need to see is where we go from here how can we move forward with a festival that is so enormous mm. and and growing every year um, so yeah again we're really keen to hear from our listeners we've had a text in uh, really enjoying your show and what you're saying about Carnival and that comes from Tom there is a position yeah. being advertised yeah. for a Carnival coordinator 30 grand a year mm-hmm. job going and you know hopefully maybe if we can find somebody that the committee are happy to employ mm-hmm. to do this that maybe we can get Carnival going maybe not this year but I would really like to see it happen for the year after I don't, I'm not happy about waiting until 2018 no it's too long that's too yeah, long I don't see why it can't happen this year I mean, I, I think there's, there's, a, there's an order we, I think we should be working through. One is yeah. what you've just said about people uh, sending in their, their thoughts and, and, uh, and ideas for Carnival is stage one. Before anyone jumps up and says, this is what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to have integrity around your consultation and community involvement, it has to be about reaching out and say to people what mm. they want. What we don't want is to have a big row with Malcolm X, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we've, we've done that as a community, you know, for, t- for 20 years. What we need to do is have a really uh, joined up, send your ideas in. You can do it anonymously. You can do it in person. But let's get that raw material, yeah, um, uh, you know, because the the, the, the solutions that we will need. come. Yeah, and Marvin, we'll, ha- we'll build a constituency. Absolutely. No, but I head. think what we can do in the background as a city, I, I think one of the things we, we j- learning a lesson. Yeah. Bristol is a festival city. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that being a festival city, what it deserves is a an office, a festival, a office, city festival yeah. office. And and actually, some of the challenges that there are to our city's festivals around health and safety, running the administration, maybe even doing tax returns on so forth. You know, some of those some of those jobs could be taken off the shoulders of people so they can just get on with being creative and giving it the yeah. overarching steer. And I think that'd be incredibly efficient um, if we do that. And maybe if we had a, uh, a city festival office also, maybe we give them the overarching budget, whereby we come up with a proper city approach to how yeah. we we coordinate and maximise the, be- the, the, the social, political and economic benefits that come from having festivals, from Carnival to Pride to the Food Festival to Harborside. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be a seamless kind of city approach and narrative around what we're going to do with those because we can use those to also connect people to public services educational opportunities employment opportunities you know is, is an incredible resource when we get so many people together as well as the city branding mm. so i think a, a, a city festival office with a budget and designated skill staff to support all those community festivals can i just say that, my, uh, my, my great cons- idea <laughs> my concern is you see one of the reasons i think that's important is if you don't support 
community organizations to run their festivals and you leave them to their own devices, a laissez-faire approach to festivals, what you're going to do is you're going to get those communities and networks with the biggest social capital. They happen to have friends who were accountants and professional project managers and friends who were lawyers. They will get their festivals organized and they will survive. Those who don't have those networks with all those professionals will always struggle to, to get access to those skills. So you'll end up with the kind of sanitized mm. professional festivals going ahead, but you'll lose those festivals that come up from the community. Yeah. So yeah, I think I there's mean, that city responsibility to put those yeah, skills and resources at the disposal. I did actually put that to the mayor's aid. I said, you know, if, if, if the committee are struggling with putting a business plan together or, you know, with this side of the event, then why aren't the council helping? Mm. Why aren't they doing that for them? And I understand that that, that help has been often and turned mm. down. Okay, well then that's we'd have to they, look at they what want was going it to be now, a very community organised yeah. event, um, and the committee want. I believe if I'm wrong, then please. But you know, I've spoken to a lot of people over the last two days, and this is my understanding on it. Mm. Um, so, but I love the idea of an of Bristol office for for Bristol festivals. I think that's fantastic. I think it idea. would pay dividends, right? Because yeah. we're talking about maximising the economic. Yeah. Absolutely, it could pay for itself. Okay, so yeah, we're just trying to get to the bottom of all these crazy headlines that have uh, been going around this week about can't of all being cancelled and the council withdrawing funding. Um, what we can assure everybody is that the council are behind Carnival, the police are behind Carnival, the licensing committee are behind Carnival. Um, but, you know, Marvin, we were just off mic talking, you made a, a very um, important issue uh, about the Carnival. And oh, where, what it represented. And what it represented mm. to your community. Yeah, so I, I think what we were talking about was that you know, we had this report out, didn't we, just a couple of weeks ago saying Bristol's UK's fifth most prosperous city and yet inequality is on the increase and, and it's increasingly unaffordable. These are massive challenges for the city. And actually, one of the communities at the forefront of being on the wrong end of all those numbers are the African Caribbean community, right? It, where you're looking at inequalities in, in health, in educational outcomes, in disproportionate unemployment, exclusion from the economy. So for all these challenges that have stayed with the community, Carnival has been a massive contribution to Bristol, an undeniable contribution, mm. socially, economically and politically. And, and, I, and I think, again, that's one of the things that really compounds the, 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 the significance of the potential loss. That to me, Carnival was about dignity. It was about, and it was about saying, hey, we're present and we are here. Pride, isn't it? Yeah. Taking pride in our and, culture and our heritage, yeah. And the fact that I think it is one of probably the most effective um, intervention in the city at bringing people together across all those divides again what a gift to the city so to lose it is not simply to lose a festival not simply to lose an economic activity it's to lose a gift that a community has brought um, to uh, to this city so I'm I, you know I think we need to emphasize there's there's a you know there's a spoken commitment to making sure it does happen yeah and I think across wherever we're coming from, what we just need to do is make sure that we align all those efforts across local government, the police, the health service, and so all, and, and the community groups, everyone who wants to help make it happen. But at the heart of that has to be that piece about how do we how do we retain that authenticity well, this with, with the community uh, yeah. leadership? Yeah. And how do we support the community to be yeah. able to lead it and, and to get the carnival? And how, that how do we do it? How do, how do we go from, where do we go from here? Well, you know, it's... Well, I think one is, as you said, let's let's get 
the contributions from people, yeah. right? We can go back to the founders because uh, they're still around, you know, the, yes. the originals up to young people today. What do you want for Carnival? What does it mean to you? And what would you like to see? Because we need to define what Carnival is, make sure we get the core components in place. Um, I think too, we can start doing the piece of work behind the scenes about how are we going to support community-based organizations to be able to survive. We do this through VOSCA, you know, the organization that supports yeah. voluntary sector. Right. We have a thriving voluntary sector in Bristol, apart from the cuts being passed on to them <laughs> right now and then being hit. Mm -hmm. But actually what we have said is we recognize that there are people who are fantastic at connecting with their community, having incredible skill sets, but what we need to do is offer them support around structuring their organization, writing business plans in the voluntary sector. We can do that around our festivals and our public celebrations as well. If we, if we can put that in place with those skills on offer, with that city commitment, it is not beyond the wit of Bristol to make sure that we have a carnival um, in, in 2017. Absolutely, yes. Because mm -hmm. we've already lost Ashton Court Festival. Um, yeah. You know, that was Europe's biggest free festival. I was lucky enough to get some really solid background in event management. I started out as a volunteer for them. And um, before you know it, I'm running two main stages on one of Europe's biggest, largest mm -hmm. free festivals. And that's another thing we must realise there's an opportunity here for somebody to do something similar. Yeah, you know, yeah. you could get some skills to run, become, you know, an event manager. So there's a, an incredible opportunity here for people. And I've just got a text in saying, there is a festival forum, um, lots to be said, and it will be said, uh, Carnival Corner on Ujima every Wednesday, 11 to 12. Um, so that would be interesting to yeah, get some feedback Get yeah. some feedback from there. They have a, a Facebook page as well called Carnival Corner. So if you like that, you go along and click on the Facebook page, then you can be kept in the loop with that as well. So I think- Really we good must to capture everything that yeah. comes Well, this it. is it, and you see, and I'm sure there are a whole heap of presenters on Ujima this week who are discussing this and looking at what can happen yeah. and why this is happening. And it's just a case of trying to continue that, isn't it? and keep a thread mm. and keeping it all going should we have some massive procession where we do close down the city centre you know and then walk up the M32 to then a massive staged event in perhaps Eastville Park you know going through the streets of St Paul's and leading up there I, I can remember the floats going down Stableton Road mm. yeah. I remember because yeah. I remember going past Mill Pond School my mum yeah. had me on the Christian float with Jesus Saves t-shirt and I was trying to hide because I felt shit. <laughs> I was like <laughs> ducking down behind the banner. Yeah. I wanted to be on the float but not yeah. with my Jesus Saves t-shirt. Yeah, t -shirt. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. I think I think venue's important. I mean, there is, the, is, there is a discussion to be had is. but my heart it has to be on the streets of St. Paul's. There's something about... No, I, that I get that. that. I there do. may be some real challenges around that. Yeah, but, but, there are, know, obviously, because we've um, got, to, got to then maintain it, got to keep it small, yeah. to keep it safe. But I want to see, you know, some, some, again, you know, this, this piece, we've got to look at, uh, you know, investing in the capacity building, supporting those people who are stepping up to lead, because actually it's not just about being technically able, mm -hmm. right? It's about having the connections. It's about having the history in the place. It's about being a known person if you you know if we can use a phrase like that technical ability to put on a festival or a carnival is not enough to make carnival what it's right. been for bristol yeah so if if, if if you know they have to be there because nuts and bolts have to be uh, put yeah, together yeah but but we have to be thinking about how can we create an opportunity this here apprenticeships so hard isn't it because we so can't just go to an event management company and say here you go organize this carnival no no that would be totally wrong exactly but it they but 
but the skill sets on offer through an event management company could be put at the disposal of the community. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that would actually be important. Got Marvin in the studio, and Marvin is uh, Marvin Rees, and he has just been elected for the Labour candidate. Selected. 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 Sorry, <laughs> selected. Select. Selector. Um, yes. For so, I mean, where are you going to go from here? What you're going to be going to be our mayor next year? Do you think? Well, yeah. who knows? I, I mean, that's so. up to Bristol, uh, you know? I mean, I think um, already what's happening is Twitterati's getting out there and you get the people saying you're this and that, you know, it's the way it is. But um, I, I think what we need to focus on is, is is you know, developing our offer and, and offer it to people of Bristol. And if they like it, they'll vote for it. You mm-hmm. skipped across that sort of the tweet, Twitter tweet thing. And this must be so hard as somebody in your position is that you're getting picked on, basically. It's like this school playground mentality isn't it that we're politicians that Mm -hmm. they have to pick on each other and i know that you try not to rise to the bay but how do you deal with it well you've got to work out whether it's important or not and uh and um but this is why the voters lose respect for politicians and mps it's not just politicians that do it though no 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 no. and i totally get that but you know it's just it's it's sad that it's still going on and i just i don't know how you deal with it you just you just get thick and skinned, you know. I right. mean, you you um, you know. I mean, we we we're real people, right? No one is a perfect human being. No one is the perfect candidate. You can't answer. You know, you're not perfect on the eight fronts that you want to be firing on, right? No, and this is what but, everybody um, is expecting. So you Corbyn, you isn't develop it, you know? a you develop a healthy sense of self. You yeah. develop a healthy sense of your your strengths and weaknesses. And and I think I, I I think for me the important thing is to just really focus on. Hey, I can't be anything other than I am. This is this is the offer I make to the city. This is my story. This is my priorities. And if people like it, they'll vote for it. If they don't, they won't. But what you can't afford to do is um, is allow the election itself, which is something I learned. Last you can't allow the election itself to become the definition of who you are and what your value is. Mm. If if you can almost, as it were, and it's not necessarily a wise electoral thing to say, mm. if you can say, if I lose, I am still me, yeah, then actually you, you, you can kind of face those stuff with some those things with some peace because mm. even if they might hurt you with the electorate, you still have a sense of yourself. So I think that's that's one way. But it's the way it is, you know, and um and, and I think my other test is, you know, my I went to I mean we went to schools here, right? Yeah, yeah. Um went to the reunion the other day, had great affirmation from people I went to school with. My uh, my younger brother went to schools in Bristol and I've often used this for some of the people that um, are out there as real kind of anonymous activists. You know, what my brother needed when he was in a substandard school was not an anonymous tweeter, yeah? What he needed was someone who was ready to stand up and hold the head teacher and the governors to account. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes through over protest and some people within the system who could say, I want to see you in my office on Monday morning because we've got generations of kids going through your school who are leaving emotionally and academically behind kids from other schools. So actually, you also got to weigh up where are people making an impact in um, in people's lives. Okay, Marvin, sound words. Uh, we have to take a little break. You're listening to The Word on Ujima 98 FM, Bristol's number one urban station. I am joined by my dynamic duo. I have Susanna and Bandit here. But we also have the dynamic and wonderful Marvin Rees, who is um, the next candidate for our mayor. So we wish you best of luck for that. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on the show today. Obviously, we've been discussing in great detail um, about the future of St Paul's Carnival and where we can go from here and hopefully you know we've um engaged a bit with the listeners and you we can leave you with some thoughts to think about where we go from here um but you know perhaps before we completely leave the subject we could just hear something from our current mayor 
um, on what he had to say about it all. Just to touch on this this issue, you obviously you've in your statement you've mentioned that you've withdrawn the funding from St Paul's Carnival uh, African Caribbean Limited, uh, but you've stated here and throughout consistently all your press uh, conversations that you support St Paul's Carnival absolutely happening again. Um, if for you know there's 47 years of intellectual property here, 47 years of goodwill, 47 years of uh, intelligence and contacts. Is there a possibility that you and the decision makers may consider that that's worth keeping? And if someone perhaps from the existing structure was to put themselves forward um, to be involved in whatever goes forward next, that, as you mentioned earlier, you wouldn't throw that out or close the door? I'm absolutely sure there is going to be, as long as they're willing, some involvement by some of the people who have already been involved. Because it would but, be a shame but to lose all but of that. It, Absolutely. The last thing I want to do is lose that passion and expertise and, uh, and interest and understanding uh, about the St Paul's Carnival. It's, um, it's something that I'm proud of. So it's great sadness but that, that we got to this position. So that was our current mayor of Bristol, George Ferguson, speaking to Mystery, a.k.a. Julian Davis. And you can hear the full interview with him after four o'clock. Um, but right now I'm joined by Marvin Rees and um, we've been discussing about the future of Carnival and where we can perhaps go from here. Um, do you think we have got a future for it? Do you believe in your heart? Yes. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good. Okay, so um, we got a little text here. Somebody suggested that there are barriers at every street surrounding Grosvenor Road, which is the main road for the carnival. Would it be possible to collect at least £2 to get in support for funding? What do you think about that, guys? Well, I think there is a little bit of kind of, again, in terms of the wider community, Mm. not just, you know, to look up the, the sense of ownership and responsibility. I've heard that some of the collections for finance have not been very well supported and and we need to look at that but um i don't know if i would think about charging two quid to get in that's uh that's that's quite pricey but certainly making it uh very very possible for people to contribute have if we do that uh, would be welcome <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> find a way for that yeah yeah, yeah. Well, wouldn't it be good to do that in a huge way in the build-up to 2018? Yeah. Yeah. So actually on the 50th anniversary, we spent the previous year and a half. Someone like Edson Burton, who did all the history on Trinity Mm. Centre, could, you know, do that. You know, so you spend the, 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 you know, the time leading up to it, collecting that archive, looking at the impact, hearing the stories. And 2018 is not just another carnival, but it's actually a celebration of everything that's gone before in a really substantial way. It goes th- perhaps goes through the whole year. Later on in the show, we're going to be chatting to part of um, one of our team, Susanna, who has just returned from her second trip to Calais, uh, to the refugee camp over there. Um, we get to hear the reality of what it really is like living as a refugee. Um, Marvin, I know that coming up soon, um, the Calais Refugee Solidarity is another organisation that have been working incredibly hard um, to take donations out to the camp directly. And I know next week they're going to be uh, doing a convoy around Bristol starting at three o'clock from the fountains and then at five o'clock on College Green there's a candlelit vigil but in between I believe are you going to be speaking Marvin? There's a few people speaking right yeah uh, including people who were here um, who've who've come to this uh, city as refugees and made incredible contributions to Bristol so um, I think it could be 
um, very special. I mean, I, I think though that, that we we should be challenged on the way we've approached it. I think Bristol's responded fantastically, and and it's been amazing um, to see the passion and people going over and collecting goods. What we've needed is some real political leadership on this, and it's not a you know, we, we've got big institutions like the health service, local government, housing associations. And not what we needed to have done was to say, right, what resource do we have at our fingertips? And gone to central government and said, hey, you know, we've got five million pounds worth of resource that we can put to this. So this is how many people we can take. So I'm loving the population's response. But I just think as a city, we could have done uh, something that's a little bit more joined up, a little bit more intentional about looking at the institutions and the services that we have to be able to support people coming here so that they can build their lives and begin making the contributions that so many people are making as, as, as you know, in the medical, in the care world, in teaching assistance and, uh, and so forth. So... If and when you get elected as mayor, um, what would be one of the main things you would do, first of all? I think I'd get rid of the mayor-only cycle rack just outside the council. I think it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but that's, I think that's one of the first things I'd do. Why do you need one, cy- one rack for one cycle that says mayor on it? I don't know. But <laughs> one of the, I, I think top of the list of priorities uh, for the mayor is oh actually not just to be the leader of the city council, yeah. is actually to be the leader of the city. And uh, in that sense, what you need to do is to have made connections with all the other key institutions and begun to get some agreement across local government, across health, across police, across the voluntary sector, across higher education and further education around what we want to do collectively as a city. Having an impact on Bristol cannot be done simply through local government services alone. They are a, a small, very important, but a small part of what shapes life in Bristol. The health service is a massive shaper. Our universities with tens of thousands of students are massive shapers massive. of life in Bristol. If you can get all those institutions to agree that as a city we want to eliminate child poverty, we want to tackle fuel poverty, we want a, we want a very prosperous economy, but the type of economy that creates opportunities for everyone, not just high-tech, highly educated okay. people, because we none of us benefit from increasing inequality that we are experiencing right now. If we can get that agreement, so to me that is top of the priority. And on terms of deliverables that we haven't done, we need to build houses for people to live in. These are not just houses; these one. are homes. Yeah. These are the bedrocks of stable communities. Uh, these are the bedrocks of uh, of life chances. What happens in your early years of lives sets you up whether you're going to be more or less vulnerable to mental ill health, physical ill health as you go through life. So. Get the city organised, approach it as a city, and let's get agreement around building houses for people. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing just before we cut out, I just wanted to tap into was about um, registering for election um, and about how many people are voting or not voting. There has been a, you know, a huge amount of apathy over the years about um, the voter actually getting out there. Now, this is something that I know my age group, my generation, we kind of gave up on it all. You know, it was just like, what's the point? Everybody's as bad as each other. But I think now we are seeing a real difference. And I think that the voter can make a difference. And I think it's really important that people register to Absolutely. to to elect. Is there anything you want to say on that? Two things, yeah. We know that the, the, the changes to the way people have to register to vote are putting between 10 and 14,000 people in Bristol at risk of falling off the electoral mm-hmm. register and losing their vote. That's, that's very important. You know, someone said to me, you know, the world is run by the people who turn up. If you're not registered, then when people are strategizing and, you know, they've got limited resources and they win to need to win an election, they will base their strategy and their priorities on the basis of the people that are going to go, go in to vote. So it's actually very important. And what I say is the vote isn't everything, right? It is not a panacea. It is not going to make politics work perfectly. 
but it's something. And, and I think the warning we must take on in our communities around here and, and Lawrence Weston, Hartcliffe, Withywood, all those communities that have traditionally had lower turnouts than, than other areas is, those are the communities who most need politics to work for them because they can't buy themselves out of the consequences of a broken society. Mm. So when unemployment is going up, if people are cutting backs on jobs, if the schools aren't performing, you know, they can't go and send their kids off to a private school. They can't move house to get to closer to the, the newest jobs. They must have public services working for them. Mm. And if you want to influence public services, you've, you've, you've got to be electing the kind of politicians you think are going to be saying to the leaders of those services, uh, this is what we want you to deliver for the population. So like I said, I don't, I'm not claiming it's, uh, you know, the, the magic pill to socialism. I'm not. But it's something and it's step one. After that, we go and do other things. My hope is actually that people register, but they don't stop there. And as I said to you just during the break, we need more people to get yeah. elected. Yeah, I, I, It can't be that's happened to me sometimes. People say, oh, great, Marvin, you're going to do it. Now let's see what you're going to do. I'm saying, you come with me. Yeah, I'm one person. You know, and this is a big machine. I was going to bounce on that and say Obama says this. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a massive yeah. um, campaign go on to try and get women involved in politics. Absolutely. You know, there's not even um, they're just trying to get a fifty-fifty campaign off the yeah, ground, yeah. aren't they? You know, and that's just to have uh, an equal balance yes, of women yeah. in politics. I, mean, I came into politics through Operation Black Vote, okay, which was a, a, a London-based initially, but it's a national, and, and actually they're working in the US as well. Uh, a campaign to get more uh, people from black and Asian communities into electoral politics. They also work with gypsies and travelers and so forth, you know, because these, we, we have been um, underrepresented historically. And they were saying, look, come on, we've got to get up. And the challenge to me once was, uh, Marvin, you've got a great analysis on why the world doesn't work, but what are you can do about it? Mm-hmm. Fantastic challenge from Simon Woolley. And that's what we're trying to do, get elected. But like I said, it's really important that, um, that more people consider getting elected. And, and, and I would encourage people, just think of some of the people they admire in their community mm. and imagine the impact they would have on the way the city talks and thinks about oh, itself yeah. if their friends were in the council I chamber. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. people, I, you know, and I won't, yeah. I won't embarrass some of the people that I've been handing to get themselves forward. But, but just, just, just do that magic. Even if you're too humble to think about the impact you would have, think about the people you respect and think about what Bristol, how Bristol would work if they were shaping decision-making here. And I think that it would be so important to talk about that process and to make people realise that they can do it. Anybody can be a councillor. Anybody yeah. can do it. It, you don't need a degree, you know, or it's yeah. just somebody with some passion. Get in touch with me. Yeah. While I'm campaigning, you know, when I'm campaigning, if anyone wants to come and hang out and see what goes on behind cool. the scenes, those wet mornings when you're out delivering leaflets, all the glamorous stuff, yeah. absolutely yeah. welcome. If you have young people that you want to connect on politics, let me know. I'll come and talk to them when they can come and hang out. And if perchance I, I, I do when then yeah, we want an open office, right? We want to demystify politics. Great. Get our young people from marginalized communities in there tasting seeing absolutely and that's what it's all about Marvin thank you so much for coming in today we've run right over but I'm just so grateful and I wish you the best of luck with your campaign hopefully you'll be back soon as Mayor of Bristol